You're listening to the Conversation Corner podcast. Join the hosts of the Conversation Corner as they interview a variety of influential leaders about a plethora of topics aimed at empowering, inspiring, and ultimately activating individuals ready to make their aspirations a reality. Welcome to the Conversation Corner podcast. I'm your host today, Christoph Coran, and it is such a delight to be sitting next to singer, songwriter, worship leader, speaker, musician, uh, founder, and CEO of Team Eat It, Inc., Miss Alicia Reynolds. How are you today? I'm good. You make me sound so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. So good to be here. It is a pleasure. You're definitely someone that I have admired and looked up to over the years, and it is such a joy and an honor to have you sitting with us today. So, We have a lot to cover, and I want to dive right in. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, um, you just listed all my titles (laughs) right there, but um, I'm originally from Adel, Georgia. Um, I am now a full-time musician, singer, songwriter, artist, Um, and I used to be, actually the way I know uh, you, Christoph, is um, I used to be a teacher at uh, Thomas County Central High School. Yellow Jackets. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, just real quick, just want to shout you out. This is so amazing. I'm so proud of you. It's funny you. that like I never got to teach you, but I always would see you and be like, he's, he's going to make something out of himself <laughs> one day. So um, yeah, so proud of you for doing this. But yeah, um, after a series of... Um, like random life events, I decided to stop teaching um, and p- pursue my uh, lifelong dream of becoming an artist. And um, so how I long s- were you teaching? I taught for five years, and I remember something my mentor teacher told me when I was in college the first time at uh, Clark Atlanta University. He told me he said, "If after five years you're not in love with teaching, you need to leave." And um, what, what year did you, did you graduate? 2011. Okay, so you left the same year I left. And yep. I know if you remember yep. the state of Thomas County Central, <laughs> when you yes. graduated, I was like, deuces. Perfect <laughs> time to leave. I was like, this <laughs> it, this school, when I came, uh, Frank Delaney was still mm-hmm. the principal. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the best place I've ever seen. And then he left. And I was like, yeah, I cannot take this anymore. Um, and it's so kind of like how the nation is right exactly, now. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Like. Frank Delaney was the Obama years, and then here came here Trump. We are. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was like, I got to get up out of here, and um, it was the perfect. And I think God did it like that because had Mr. Delaney, Delaney still been there, I would have been comfortable and been like okay, and like okay, I can you know put up with this or whatever. But um, it just was a mess, and so I used that to help me just jump on out and say, if you're gonna do it, do it now. Um, well, what got you into teaching in the first place? You were an English teacher. I was is an that English right? teacher, basically following my mama's footsteps. My mama's an English teacher, and uh, mm-hmm. she's the best in the world. And <laughs> um, she's my first and um, most influential role model. So, um, because of how she raised me, I was good at English. You know, mm-hmm. I used to have to write book reports when I was a kid. We would get in trouble and, and have to write a book report. You know, we'd get whipping too, but still, you had to do that on top of it. And so I was always good at English. And um, though I had been um, a minister of music at my church since I was like 12, I didn't have enough confidence in myself as a musician to go to school for it. Mm-hmm. And um, even though that's always been in my heart from the time I was a little girl, Um, but I just was like, I didn't know any musicians who were actually successful. And I always knew that I would never sing anything or perform anywhere that would embarrass my mom. 
And so as an artist, I was like, well, I'm probably not going to make it because, you know, nobody was out singing stuff that was positive or uplifting. It was always about, you know, drugs, sex, or money. So I was mm-hmm. like, I can't do this. Um, so I just kind of did what I thought was easy. You know, teaching was the gig that you got the summers off. You know, you got Very your little nice. check and, you know, you had holidays or whatever. Um, but I think at the time that I became a teacher, um, the public education system was like on a downward spiral. And it's, in my opinion, only gotten worse since then. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I got burnt out real quick um, and had to recognize that though I, there was a call on my life to work with young people. And I thought, you know, teaching, that's that's what you do, mm-hmm. you know, but. God was like, no, that's not it. You're, I'm a teacher just by nature, but he didn't want me to be in the school system teaching. Like well, that's that. very interesting. I think most people think they have somewhat of an idea of what their purpose is in life mm-hmm. and what their passions are, but they're in the wrong lane. Yeah. Uh, they're doing it in the wrong way, yep. using the wrong vehicle, using the wrong medium. To talk about your music a little bit, it is very uplifting and positive. Thank you. And a lot of the messages you touch on are just not, you know, for young girls, but there's a lot of takeaways for young men as well. Good. Um, I've got a lot of your songs on my phone right now, actually. Uh, just your music is, is really positive and uplifting. Do you think your English background help helps you a little bit with writing music? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, if I wasn't writing music, I would be writing literature. Um, I am actually working on a book right now but keep um, us posted yeah sure will um that's part of the the great thing about um having that degree for a long time I was worried I was like so I went to college and wasted this money and I'm not gonna <laughs> use this degree but I was like no you got a degree in English you know how to write you do creative writing and um again it's something that my mom has instilled in me since I was a little girl so of course it helps me when I'm putting pen to paper and working on metaphors and um, analogies and stuff. I don't want to just be one of these artists, no shade to anybody who's out there, but there's so many people doing music that I just wish would just go sit down somewhere. Um, so I, I still believe in the art of songwriting. So um, I try to use and pull from as much experience as I have as a writer, as a reader, as a teacher um, to put into my music. So. so where does your ultimate inspiration come from for a lot of your songs? Because it's re- very, very relevant. Um, just life in general. Um, it's funny the like the song that has become like the impetus for every part of my ministry. Um, everybody ain't doing it. I wrote while I was at Thomas mm-hmm. County. Um, because I was like, I just would look at my students and be like, "You really are out here just doing stuff because you're trying to fit in." Mm-hmm. When in reality, nobody's actually doing what you think is is right. what it takes for you to fit in. Like, it's not true. Like, everybody really is not doing it. And, um, you know, the name of the song is Everybody Ain't Doing It. I know it's grammatically incorrect, but <laughs> it works for... Well, we're in South Georgia, right. so it is correct. Lyrically, it works. Um, but I, I just look at what's happening around me. I take experiences from my own life, um, and I try to put in the music, and I think that's why it's, it's relevant because it's something that we all experience old or young we still deal with peer pressure you know absolutely um and people really do want to feel accepted and want to fit in but at the end of the day it's just not true you know mm-hmm. you don't have to do anything to um fit in if you will so when did you realize that at what age you think oh lord uh <laughs> probably like 30 actually yeah. <laughs> um even though like i wrote that song when i was 26 maybe 
um, it didn't really sink in. It's something about turning 30, though, that kind of just makes you, like, throw up the middle finger to everybody. <laughs> like, that's how I feel. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't care about what everybody else thinks about me. It's, the, like, the best time of my life. Like, I thought my 20s were cool, but my 20s were just all over the place, just trying really hard to um, make myself look better than what I really was. But after hitting 30 and just being like, you know what? This is who I am. You cannot live your life to please other people. If you are unhappy for whatever reason, it's your fault. And I was like, nobody is paying my bills. Mm-hmm. Nobody um, is giving me life. So the one person or the one entity that I need to please is God, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And there's such liberty in that, and there's such joy in living your life like that. I wish I could just bottle it up and give it to everybody or sell it, actually. <laughs> if I could sell it, I'd be a billionaire. Um, but I just see so many people who haven't yet figured that out, even older people. They're still mm-hmm. trying to impress other people that really could care less about them. Well, it's so. kind of how the system is set up. The whole educational system is set up to where they train you to do a job yeah. and to live a pre-set-up lifestyle mm-hmm. that's already made, that's supposedly successful in the societal view. Yeah. And that's just what you do. And most people get old and they wake up one day and they think, what in the world did I do for my whole life? Yeah. Exactly. I didn't do anything I really want to do. I didn't do what I loved. I didn't fulfill my passion. I didn't reach my potential. That's a lot of us. We kind of just live instead of living every day very intentionally and moving towards the things we really want to get out of life and yeah. fulfilling our full potential. Let's talk about your transition. So you were an English teacher first, mm-hmm. and then you decided and you actually used that word, which is a very powerful word. You decided yeah. to switch up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that put me <laughs> in a really weird place, which was um, a full-grown woman moving back in with my parents. <laughs> and uh, taking. I started uh, substituting then, which if you know anything about that, mm-hmm. I was, was getting paid like a third, maybe not even a third, mm-hmm. maybe like a fifth of what I normally made. Um and uh, I stayed in ADL for a couple of years. That's where I really built up uh, Team Eat It, my nonprofit organization. And then after a while, I just was like, if I really want to make this music go somewhere, I got to go somewhere that has a better market for it. So I moved back to Atlanta. Um, I actually went to college in Atlanta. And um, from there, I started like really, really getting serious um, about my music. And that has brought me to where I said I would never be. <laughs> the reason I did not go into college as a musician because I never wanted to be the struggling musician. And I'm I'm not struggling. I'm not mm-hmm. put it like that. But um, the whole music student, I kind of ran away from the artsy-fartsy, right. uh, creative type. I did not want to be that person, even though that's who I am um, at the, the core of me. So now I'm uh, at Belmont University, um, a music student. <laughs> an undergraduate music student at that the oldest, oldest person in all of my classes um but thanks to melanin they don't know it so <laughs> so i'm good but yeah I'm, I'm living my best life i'm enjoying the music scene and um hopefully this will make me even better of a musician and songwriter because my degree is actually in songwriting so well yeah. congratulations for that thank change you. thank you let's talk about team eat it inc sure what is that all about Team Eat It um, Incorporated is the nonprofit organization that um, God gave me after writing the song. It actually kind of had this life 
that I don't I don't even know how to explain it. So mm-hmm. I wrote the song. Um, and actually wasn't even going to put the song on the album. A friend of mine was like, "You got to put this on here." I never liked how it sounded. And um, from there, I created a pageant in uh, Cook County called the Miss Eat It Pageant, and it was like for any girl who wanted to um, kind of stand as a, a role model for for young women. Um, kind of like I always call it the anti-thought movement um, <laughs> and so we did this pageant you know and, and the think the first year we did it we had like 18 girls and um I basically like poured into these girls for like three two to three months and at the end of the pageant it was like just really on my heart heavy it was like okay you spent all this time with these girls and you're just gonna drop them like mm-hmm. that's it we did the pageant okay um and so I was like well let's keep it going and so that became the nonprofit organization. We got officially incorporated in March of 2013, I think it was. And um, so from there, um, we started doing community service. It's for girls sixth grade through 12th grade. And then when they graduate, they can either choose to become mentors with us as they're in college and come back and help us do things. Um, but yeah, we started doing community service. Um, we've put on, of course, other pageants. We've done a musical, um, which is probably like, the most fun thing I've Mm -hmm. done like up until this point was to be able to write that musical and have all the music be my songs. And, um, yeah, um, we finally are in the school system in Cook County. I'm actually doing a, an assembly tomorrow morning to try to get, um, more girls from the middle school age, uh, to be a part. So we're doing a lot. God is really blessed. We've been able to give scholarships to girls and just pour into them, have seminars and teach them about things that, um, maybe they don't necessarily get from the school system and stuff that they can't really talk to their parents about. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to create a judge judgment free zone to where they can just get the answers they need and hopefully become better people. So that's it. (laughs) Well, how important is your spiritual life? You think? Um, very important. Um, I am a believer. I'm a Christian. And, um, I think because of that, um, I have been able to kind of channel the the spirit of God in me to help other people. I'm not one of those uh, people who thinks that the only time you should um, acknowledge God is on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, as an artist, I don't really um, focus on just singing in church. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll see. Do you have any of my new stuff? Like the new yeah, yeah, yeah. So, identity crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is like totally different from mm-hmm. the first two projects I put out. And this is like more in line with who I wanted to be anyway, because for some reason, when I started singing, I would find that I would get invited to church stuff. But most of the time I was singing in like bars or um, at conferences or like random places that were not mm-hmm. really church affiliated. And mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? Like, why am I always like the only Christian artist at like the most ratchet hood <laughs> event? <laughs> and God was like, because I specifically called you to reach people who won't necessarily come to church. Um, and because of that, like I had to kind of switch how my music was sounding. Um, because it's really off putting to go to a bar and hear somebody mm-hmm. start playing like a hymn or something <laughs> <laughs> like that. When I tell you I've done it before and it like changes, like people get really weird. So they ruin yeah. the night. Yeah, really. I'm like I, one time it happened and this guy, this uh, band had just got down. I mean, just got done singing a song that was literally dedicated to smoking weed. <laughs> and I got up and I was like, 
Yeah, so Jesus loves you. Um, I'm a gospel artist. And it was so funny because the room just like went dead silent. I was like, man, I just killed everybody's love. But um, kind of have to learn to switch it up and make people feel comfortable, but still introduce them to Christ without making them feel condemned or judged. And um, hopefully that will then lead them to the church. So, Well, I think that's a broken piece of the church today, and that's really what the church's mission should be, is yeah. to go out in the community and to these places, much like Jesus did, yeah. and to bring people in instead of every Sunday you're just sitting with the same, the people, same people every Sunday. Yeah. You're not bringing in any new people, and you're just expecting people to just to walk through the door. Yeah. You have to go out and get these people. Exactly. Uh, Jesus walked and walked and walked. Why aren't we doing what he did? Yeah. You know? Well, that's phenomenal that you are doing that, and I really enjoyed looking at your successes. Thank you. What are some of the biggest challenges you faced over these last couple of years? Oh, my God. Um, that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, money, first of all, um, being an independent artist and an artist who um, wants to keep some kind of uh, standard in my life, it's really hard to get financial backing for that because mm -hmm. whether people will admit it or not whether you're a gospel artist or um r&b hip-hop whatever it is this is still an industry and mm -hmm. so when people want to get behind you financially they want to know that what you're doing is going to sell some records that's number one the top priority all the time mm -hmm. and so the way this music industry is set up we all know what sells you know um and so it's hard to convince people who have the money to invest in this because they're like, mm, yeah, I'd rather put my money behind, <laughs> you right. know, what I know is gonna um, sell. So basically everything I do, like I have to fund uh, myself along with the help of my parents and like my church helps a lot. Um, and then the funny thing about people is everybody's amping you up. Everybody's gassing you up. Absolutely. Yeah, we love your music. Go put it out, put it out. And then as soon as it's out, I'm Nothing. like, buy this CD. And they're like, sis, yo, is it on iTunes? <laughs> like, I don't got no cash yeah. on me. Like, what? Really? Like, the way my like, bank account is exactly, set up. Exactly, the way my <laughs> bank account is set up. Um, so that's the hardest thing, um, not getting discouraged, um, especially knowing how much I have invested into it. Like, people don't understand music costs money. Mm -hmm. And so, like, the worst thing you can ever do is ask an independent artist to give you a free CD. Like, don't do it. Because <laughs> that, that $10 CD cost me $5,000 right. to make. And you want a free one? We're not doing it, sis. I can feel the passion and the heat. Yeah, sit down. <laughs> like, and what's it going to hurt you to buy a $10 CD? But anyway, that financially is probably the biggest challenge. Um, the other thing is just running everything by myself. Um mm -hmm trying to keep up with social media, trying to um, be out doing shows and, and still writing and still going to school and still working. Like it literally um, is a 24 hour a day job. Um, I wish I had Beyonce's team because <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's really, really hard, but um, I believe in what I'm doing, so I'm not going to stop. So, Well, how has your faith grown? Um, exponentially is how it's grown um, because you really took a step when you left teaching and to pursue music team eat it inc most people wouldn't have the faith uh, let alone the strength to be able to do something like that 
Yeah, and I don't think I knew what I was doing, <laughs> to tell you the truth. I think that's one of those times when um, it was really blind faith. I'm grateful for it now because the way God did it, it like it kind of just propelled me out like I didn't really have a choice, but I wasn't aware of how much it would mm-hmm. really cost me. Like I'm not sure if I went back now that I would do it because mm-hmm. it's, it's not for everybody. Like I promise you, despite what I put up on Instagram, like this thing is a daily God, where's my meal coming from? Or you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like right. if you're not, if you don't 100% believe him, you'll quit. Um, I've wanted to a, a lot of times, but I keep reminding myself, You're first of all, I'm not the only person that's invested in me. So if I quit, it's mm-hmm. just like throwing away everything that people have given me over the years. And it's also like a slap in God's face. Like I'm saying, well, I believe you, but not really. Mm-hmm. You know, like, no, he told me to do this. He didn't tell me when it was going to pop. He didn't tell me if it was even going to pop. So, <laughs> um it, yeah, it's one of those give us this day our daily bread. Daily. I'm like, okay, Lord, you got to do something because yeah. the way my bank account is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what would you tell someone who they know they're in a position or in a job, they're working that nine to five day in and day out, mm-hmm. but they know they're not doing what they're supposed to do? You know, it may be a spiritual calling. It may just be they know what their purpose and what their potential could be, but they're just stuck. Um, I would tell them first that they need, if they want to leave, they need to plan it. Um, I, I said this one time before in another interview that there was a thin line between faith and foolishness. Mm-hmm. Um, so God could very well be calling you to quit. He could, but you need to make some plans before you do it. <laughs> you know, I yeah. love, uh, you know who D1 is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I love his testimony of how he was a teacher, too. Mm -hmm. But of course, it was a math teacher. So (laughs) this is why this worked for him. But he planned. He saved up enough money. He lived way below his means for like Mm -hmm. two years. So that because he knew what I didn't know, that he knew that for the first couple of years doing his music thing, he wasn't going to get paid on anything. So he took that money and he had this little cushion that he could live off of to where he didn't have to go to work every day and come home and be drained so he can't write. Or he didn't have to worry about trying to get off of this random part time job to go somewhere and do a gig. Um, So because he did that, he was able to just focus Mm -hmm. like two years completely on music. And then things started um, jumping off for him. So the number one bit of advice would be plan. Do not just leave your job thinking, I'm going to go make this dream happen because nine times out of 10, if you're an entrepreneur anyway, it's going to take you at least three to five years to see any profit whatsoever. Um, So you need to be aware of that and don't just leave without some money. (laughs) 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 Don't do like I did. (laughs) Rule number one. Right. Yeah. Have a plan. Have a plan. Well, what's one thing you think is holding millennials today back from uh, reaching that success and success not necessarily with money mm-hmm. but success in terms of freedom financial stability uh, the ability to go wherever they want to go and to have the lifestyle they would like to live um millennials i i think i fall into that group i don't know you do if i do, do. i don't claim it um <laughs> Because, and I'll tell you why, it it just feels like millennials are all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like one minute they want to be woke. The next minute they want to be 
you know, CEOs and all this stuff. And it's just like, pick a side. Like, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the influence of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, because people really believe that what they see on social media is real. And it's not. Like, nobody get nobody sits down and goes, let me post this picture of how I stayed in bed today till 1230 because mm-hmm. I'm so depressed that I can't get up. You know, nobody posts that picture. They post the picture where, you know, makeup is tight, hair is, right. like, everything, and they want you to see that. And it's, I think, so millennials look at that and go, well, I'm not at that place yet, so let me go do this. And when that doesn't work, I got to go do this. And when that doesn't work, I got to do, like, pick a thing, stay there, and work that until you get it. <laughs> like, stop moving every time things don't work out. Like, have some patience, commit to something, discipline yourself, and wait on the fruits of your labor to produce the harvest. I think one thing that's so difficult right now is and you talked about a little bit social media. Every We live in a right now world, yeah. a right now society where you can get on your phone and go to Amazon or somewhere and in two days or a day, it's right there. Yeah. And if success doesn't come overnight, no, you move on to the next thing. And no. It's interesting. You, you really talked about focus just then. Yeah. You know, millennials are all over the place. And that's one thing that Andrew Durden, in one of our previous interviews, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. I asked him the same question. He said, they just lack focus. Yeah. They don't commit. They're not dedicated. Uh, they don't stick to one thing and, and see it through uh, to make sure it's not successful. And they don't do what it takes to be successful in that one endeavor. Yeah. So that's a very, very good point that you made. Uh, to kind of wrap up a little bit, is there anything that, um, any message you want to leave behind with us today? Um, other than everybody ain't doing it, um, (laughs) just really, um, pursue purpose and passion over prosperity. Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) TD Jake's moment. All right. No, that just came to me. Thank you. Holy ghost. Um, yeah, because at, when you get down to it, um, if you don't absolutely love what you're doing, you're not making a difference. I don't care mm-hmm. what you do. You can be like the best accountant in the world, but if you're not passionate about accounting, you might as well not even be there, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I think the idea of success and, and glitz and glam and pride and ego have so many people trapped in these positions that they think, you know, what if, what if, you're, what if your passion is uh, knitting? Right. Right. Like, what if you're like a dude, <laughs> like a six, five, like 300 pound guy who is great at knitting? I would love to meet that guy. I would, too. Right. <laughs> but he won't do it because yeah. he thinks people are going to say something crazy about him knitting. And instead he goes and pursues this other field, which he might be good at, too. But think of like, how dope would it be to have yeah. a six, five, <laughs> 300 pound dude who's passionate about knitting? Like, wouldn't that like inspire somebody Absolutely. else to do exactly what it is they love? Um, so it's, it's not about you. If you pursue your passion, you're going to make a difference. I wholeheartedly believe that. But if you're just out here chasing money or success or um, like compliments and stuff, you're you're going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable. That's it. I agree with you. Most people make life about making a living. Yeah. That does nothing for you. That's really not a life worth living no. just to make a living. Mm-mm. Well, we greatly appreciate your time today, Alicia. Thank you. Um, I hope you come back on with us again sometime soon, next time you're in the area. Yeah. Give us an update on how things are going. Sure will. 
So, Alicia, tell us where we can find you. Okay, so I have a website um, that's alaishalarobin.com. That's A-L-A-C-I-A-L-A-R-O-B-I-N.com. Um, and then Team Eat It has a website, teameatit.org. That's T-E-A-M-E-A-D-I-T.org. And then all of my social media is Alaysha Robin, and all of Team Eat It social media is Team Eat It Inc. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Conversation Corner, for tuning in. We'll talk to you again soon. You've been faithful, faithful. You've been patient, patient. You've been working in a church, putting in a work, holding on. Yeah. All my good girls, in a world gone bad. Hey guys, Christoph here, and I need you to do three very important things for all of us at The Conversation Corner. Number one, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Number two, share The Conversation Corner with someone. If you think the conversations we have are worth sharing, don't hesitate sharing this content with your circle. Number three, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Conversation Corner Podcast, and also Twitter, at the Convo Corner. Thank you for being a very, very special part of the Conversation Corner family. Stay positive, strive to do and get better every day, and work towards building the life you want. Together, we can make the world a better place, one conversation at a time. Hey, come here, good girl.